0: Welcome to Emerge Everywhere. I'm Jennifer Tesher, journalist turned financial health champion. As founder and CEO of the Financial Health Network, I've spent my career connecting forward-thinking leaders to the growing FinHealth movement. Now I'm sharing these conversations with you. Discover how these visionaries are challenging the status quo and improving financial health for their customers, employees, and communities. For most of her life, Dr. Tamra Duperval-Brown Lee has been working to solve social disparities in healthcare, quickly becoming known as one of the most respected health leaders in the country. She's a self-described evangelist for health equity, working with community and business leaders to enable people to live healthier and happier lives, physically, mentally, and financially. A few months ago, Dr. Tam, as some people call her, took on her largest role yet. As the first ever Chief Health Officer at Accenture, giving her a new opportunity to tackle health and well-being in the workplace. Dr. Tam, welcome to Emerge Everywhere. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. So, after 17 years as a clinician, uh, as a doctor in family medicine, uh, you are now the first Chief Health Officer at Accenture, the global consulting firm. We're starting to see more and more companies create. CHO roles in the midst of this pandemic. So tell us, what does a chief health officer do? Well, for
1: Accenture, the chief health officer is charged with innovating and accelerating strategies to improve health and wellness for all of our people globally, which is now approaching about 700,000 people, Mm -hmm. um, including their families and in the communities that we serve It it spans the gamut of all the things that you would imagine a a chief health officer would do from a clinical and medical perspective. But certainly the um, pandemic has, I think, elevated the opportunity for us to think about health more holistically and attend to the things that matter most to people so that they can do their best um, at
0: work. Well, certainly folks in HR or talent who have to administer, say, health insurance benefits um, have been thinking along these lines for quite some time, but but your role is different than a traditional HR, head of HR, as an example. So how do the portfolios get split apart, right? Where do you stop and start versus HR?
1: That's a great question. I, I probably would answer by saying that I don't know that there are very bright lines that ends the work, say, of someone who's in charge of benefits for a particular population and my role. It's actually rather uh, continuous and and I love that actually. It's distinguished by the fact that my um, primary accountability isn't solely around benefits, how our claims are performing, for example, with a certain insurer. um, Am I measured by Uh, the percentage of diabetics we have in our firm or or how well they're doing in in that condition. But it's more so um, being a bit more creative and innovative and thinking about where physical health is one dimension of it, um, how to really get to a place where we might be able to quantify actually a measure of health and well-being for our people that is more meaningful and actionable and translatable to Uh, For our organization, Delivering on Our Promise, which is about bringing human ingenuity and and technology together, I think it would be the same for any organization. So it's multi-pronged. It's physical health, it's mental health, it's emotional um, health, relational health, and uh, even thinking about the impact of work um, from a a very uh, quantitative and qualitative perspective on a person's well-being.
0: Mm -hmm. I love this sort of the quantified self perspective that you're that you're thinking about taking. What do you think employees think about this new kind of role? Do you think I'm sure you're still building up your team and educating, you know, such a large workforce, but how do they relate to it? Do you think?
1: I think very positively. Um, I've been in my role to, uh, exactly six months today, and I was reflecting early this morning, like what's happened in the in the past six months, in addition to being in the midst of helping uh, a large team navigate two big surges uh, within the COVID-19 pandemic so that we can make sure that our our people are safe, but also attended to as as people were affected directly and indirectly by the pandemic. I was also remarking to myself about the um, overwhelming interest within the organization globally on wanting to understand why is my role here? Um, The number of people that have reached out intentionally to say, I don't know what you do, but I am so glad that you are here um, because it really demonstrates to our people the uh, strong commitment that the organization has to really pay attention to their well-being um, in, a, in a great way. The um, really unique thing is that because of the pandemic, I have had a a very unusual and accelerated platform to interact with many of our people globally, many of whom haven't met, but they know who I am because they've heard my voice and talking about how to stay safe, the nuances of the variants and the like. And um, it's actually uh, caused us to be endeared to one another because they understand that My motivation isn't about any other metric except that they're well. Um, So it's been very positive. And even when I've extended the opportunity for individuals to tell me the opportunities, what are the barriers so far? What are the challenges that they're seeing? What could we do better? They are transparent, they're candid, and they're really encouraging uh, that, um, myself and the team that's around me and that I'm building can actually get there. So it's been generally extremely positive and people are very excited about what will come out of our strategy.
0: Right. You sound like the Dr. Fauci of Accenture in a way.
1: (laughs) In a way, I would say so. Um, With the exception of, I would say that I I love that I can talk about other things besides (laughs)
0: COVID-19. exactly <laughs> and you don't have to testify before congress at least There's not yet that. exactly <laughs> exactly so it's you know I, I we're on video for this conversation and i can see that you are working from your home uh yeah. in st louis i imagine that means that uh, most of your peers at accenture most of uh the workforce at accenture is still at home and you know given that the purview of the chief health, health officer is so broad right it's not just physical health is full well-being. I would imagine that you've had a role to play in the company's thinking around return to work or if there's ever a return, what does the future look like? How have um, health and well-being considerations been folded in, if you will, to those conversations? What what impact are they having?
1: You're absolutely right. The To the credit, I would say, of our executive leadership from our CEO, Julie Sweet, the chief human uh, resources and talent officer for the organization, our leader officer, who's my boss, Ellen Shook, they have had um, an extraordinary vision about what the future of work would look like, even predating the pandemic. This, This current executive leadership team came into place in the fall of 2019. So they were rather prescient in thinking about how are people working? What are the ways that they're working that could actually lead to the greatest productivity and also contribute to them being well in doing so? They There was an extraordinary work that was led by um, my uh, people leader, Ellen Shook, that actually took a look at all the job roles and classifications and took a hard look to say, look, our people want flexibility. So let's take a look at every role and see... Um, what what is the requirement, for example, to be on the road, to be outside of the home um, and balance that with needing to be with peers and clients in order for um, them to have meaning and purpose in work and actually deliver um, client value. So all of that work happened just as the pandemic was being launched. So where it forced and accelerated a big movement of people to be working from home, a strong majority um, for safety purposes. There was also like an organic right sizing that happened of people um, appreciating the flexibility. Now it's not been easy for everyone um, where, uh, yeah, at least I'll speak for myself. I'm in a place of privilege, you know, where I have a home that's a dedicated office and I can be quiet and uninterrupted, but that's not the, um, you know, the testimony, I would say, of, of all of our employees. So really understanding what will it take um, is, a, is a, was given a lot of thought. Our CEO terms it as our omni-connectedness, our omni-connected future of work, which really requires that in addition to our virtual reality that currently exists, there's another dimension that we'll also lean into, and that's the metaverse. Um, but the importance of us coming back together. So even for people, for example, who had never been in an office in, say, a decade, the expectation moving forward when it's safe to do so is that we will be in community together, even if it's for a quarterly or semi-annual meeting, event, training, uh, because of the power of being with people. Um, I think that we have a lot to learn, and um, I think the influence of the youngest generation in our workforce gen Z had a lot to do with it as well I think they came they came into uh, the game I think asking for flexibility and uh, wanting to prioritize also uh, environments that feed themselves and their well-being and their mental health so it, it caused us to take a notice um I think certainly in the many many conversations that I've been in about, the future of work since I've joined those nuances, I keep bringing back to the top that to be honest, I like this, you know, (laughs) and there are many of us that like this. So why not capitalize on it? Not only for the low hanging fruit. Um, I think obvious realizations of savings for cost and travel and, you know, we're more productive, but, um, but also because uh, there there is meaning, I think, in being able to respond to the ways that people want to work and you're actually able to get more out of them.
0: Mm. So I mentioned already that you spent nearly two decades as a uh, practicing uh, doctor, uh, but right before you joined Accenture, uh, you actually were, I think it's fair to call you an administrator, At a very large health system, Ascension. Uh, And if I understand it correctly, you were the chief community impact officer. So you were really thinking about how to improve healthcare outcomes at the community level. And now you're in a different community, if you will, a community of workers. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the similarities and differences in those two areas of focus and ultimately what's really needed to uh, make the biggest difference for workers? How do you, how do you bring that community perspective?
1: Uh, sure. There are um, surprisingly, I didn't even realize it as I was making the leap, a lot of parallels between the work I did um, with Ascension and now at Accenture. The, the <laughs> they even food. kind of sound alike. I hadn't they realized do. that until they just now. <laughs> You're right. I have to catch myself on occasion, but uh, the The pleasure I had in in my role at Ascension um, as the chief community impact officer was to holistically think about how as a healthcare delivery system, we would achieve the goals of improving health in the various communities that we served. And we were a large organization in um, nearly 20 states um, and so very different communities that uh, we were serving. And addressing the things that matter most and identifying the levers that actually impact health. Um, most organically, healthcare systems and healthcare deliveries will zoom in on healthcare quality and access because that's our superpower and that's what we do. And a great portion of money, GDP is is a, is a is apportioned to that. But the rest of the pie where healthcare access and, and quality is only 10%, the rest of the pie of what impacts health is pretty significant if you think about um, the other domains of economics and environment and the like. So uh, I had, it was actually quite refreshing to think about improving health um, of populations, but also paying attention to where they lived, where they worked, where they played, where they prayed as being factors to impacting that health and coming up with both micro and macro um, solutions and interventions to test that even uh, though we can so explicitly impact the healthcare access part, we could also have a big influence on the others, either directly or in partnership. Could you give an example maybe of something that you tested when you were in that role? Absolutely. Um, the the strategy that we created um, for this work was in three areas. One was looking at how social factors, um, as I mentioned, you know where uh, people lived, the um, uh, the neighborhood, the built environment, their social context, actually impacted their ability to access care. So we would take a look at, for example, the proximity to the healthcare delivery sites, um, pharmacies seeing specialists, uh, the transportation routes to be able to get there, and try to build that in into our algorithms for treating people that was more uh, culturally sensitive to the communities mm. that we were serving. The second pillar was about community engagement. That social and community context domain about, you know, the determinants of health was so big. Uh, and we really got tested during the pandemic that we doubled down on our strategies for reaching the various populations, whether it was urban, rural, the various cultural dimensions, even religious dimensions, so that we can actually improve access to care for people who had actually been directly affected by COVID in terms of the disease, as well as vaccination. That fun, that foundational work, which is some one of the last things I had a chance to engage in with Ascension, was so critical for us to improve uh, the community immunization rates where where we had delivery sites throughout the country and our own people. Um, I think what's really, um, the, and this is kind of the translation I think to Accenture, that um, the eye opening experience of um, and, and humbling experience that we all had of living through a pandemic and realizing that it's no respecter of persons is that you can think about who you're serving. So the patients, these are consumers, depending on what industry that you're in. But it would definitely behoove a business to take a look to the right and left to, with people you're serving alongside because who you're serving um, and the things the impacts that they're experiencing is likely to be experienced by the people you're serving alongside. And when we saw the vaccine inquisitiveness, for example, among the people, you know who are frontline staff um, and their families, we said, boy, you know, we're, we're going to miss it if we don't do a work here because they were part of the communities that we were serving and reaching and they were representing. And so that work was rather um, pivotal and, and that we, you know, it was a good test. Community engagement established the trust lean in on what matters most. People needed testing. So let's bring testing to them, for example, to seniors or vaccines rather than creating this big old hub, you know, where you're requiring people to take two buses, you know, to come to. Why not go directly to them in their backyard and bring vaccines to them and people who are from the community to talk about their fears, their questions, their concerns about the development, about its um, side effects and its efficacy, So that was really, um, really powerful. At Accenture, it's a similar, I think, realization that especially when you're thinking about a global population, you have to really think about what matters most. Um, Here in the States, we have a way of thinking about health um, that is rather segmented, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. We think about our mind differently than our bodies and differently than we think about our souls. Not universally, but that's kind of how our healthcare system works. Not the same if I'm going to think about our population in India, which makes up nearly half of our population globally. Um, so the ability for translating, being sensitive to the context and and realizing that those social determinants are universal <laughs> across the globe um, in terms of wanting to affect health and change. And, and I'm really um, leading on that every chance we get and with my Western mind that, you know, our our organization isn't Western only. Um, so. Being specific uh, where standard, where necessary, but being uh, differentiated where it's necessary, also in order to get to the outcomes that we're looking for.
0: Yeah. I know you have tremendous passion for uh, addressing um, health equity issues, and it's informed a big part of your career. And it's so interesting to think about it in the context you just described at a much more macro level between different nations and cultures, as opposed to the more narrow way it's been socially constructed in a place like the United States. And the other thing that I think about now that you're in in an employer context is particularly in the world of HR, the last many decades, the approach has been much more of a colorblind approach. Right. In order to be fair, got to, offer everyone the same thing. Um, And we're now in a very different moment in this country um, as a result of this racial reckoning. And I think more and more people are appreciating that uh, we need to meet people where they are and give each person what he or she might need to have the opportunity to reach the same outcome. I'm wondering how you are working to translate that idea into um, a workplace uh, where these ideas haven't necessarily caught up with the broader um, discussion we're having around the country.
1: Yes, it's challenging um, to to find a direct line, I think, for translating what equity looks like um, in the U.S. and healthcare delivery to. Um, you know, a large, robust, and, and still growing professional services organization with a global footprint. But um, I, I will say two, I'll answer it in two ways. First, the organization has already had a pretty strong commitment to inclusion and diversity as it took a look at its population um, from gender Mm. as well as race and, race and ethnicity to make sure that that's represented. The, the multiculturalism that exists in this organization is is quite phenomenal. and it, um, leadership has recognized the opportunities. Um, I'll call it to um, be more inclusive in all its ranks, um, but particularly in leadership. Our CEO has really made some very bold goals towards gender equity um, in leadership in our organization uh, that should be accomplished within the next two to three years. And I think the game changer has been the transparency on that performance um, as well as the goals. That was the model we were saying in the healthcare space. That um, until it is an in, uh, an intention from the very highest levels of the organization and governance, with discrete um, goals and transparency and accountability, it's not really real. Mm-hmm. And. The um, opportunity this, that I've seen within Accenture is reflecting all of those, the uh, intentionality from the senior leadership, governance, um, setting the goal and having accountability um, and, and transparency reflected throughout. I think the dimension that I'm bringing and thinking about the health and wellness of our organization is... Um, I'll take it domestically, is also thinking about like even the in the United States where we have people represented in just about every state, it's extremely different culturally in terms of how we think about our benefits, what people will need most. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll give one example related to physical health and it has to do with um, the space of oncology. So, um, you know, this is an area where employers tend to be um, generous, you know, when it comes to the care of their, um, their people from the place of prevention to the place of treatment when there's a, a diagnosis. What is um, out of the reach, though, of employers is where a person lives, has a big difference as to whether or not you have access to the leading practices and, and the like of, of getting care. So we're starting to take a look at that and launching um, programs whereby we're able to say, how might we be able to extend the best of where we have um, these care paths, these care treatments, even the the providers themselves to all our people um, Mm. within the United States, um, either in direct care or in in consultation and spread it broadly and not pass on that cost to our people, but actually take it because that's the equity play that we can mm. have, um, towards that end. And I think it's powerful. Um, and, uh, and I'm really excited about what else we can do. It, I think it becomes more obvious when you think about it internationally, just because of the different structures, geographies, resources, you know, that different countries will have, but, uh, that the, that there is awareness and accountability towards that end is the agenda that I'm ready, that I'm ready to set.
0: Mm. So where does this passion come from? Uh, y- you know, you have been in healthcare pretty much all your life, uh, in one way, shape or form or another, what, l- what led you down that path in the first place?
1: Um, that's a great question. I, I would start by saying my mom for certain. She, um, is a uh, medical technologist that has worked Mm. in a lab. Um, She's that person who, when a sample is given, you know, either in a doctor's office or in a hospital, is is behind the scenes running it to make sure that those are well. And uh, um, she started her career as a nurse, actually, didn't like it and and preferred the uh, laboratory science part of it. But I think going to the lab with her and seeing her uh, answer questions and leading teams kind of inspired me um, quite a bit to say, "Hey, let's 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 do something here in the space." Uh, I was always drawn, I think, to these very noble aspirations of like wanting to help people and and making the world better. And and certainly, I think she she imprinted that a lot. I think in terms of where where my space is now and, and being uh, an evangelist for health equity and, and wanting to enable people to live healthy and well, um, probably came from just reflecting on how I grew up. Um, my parents are Haitian immigrants. Um, so we uh, didn't grow up initially with all the resources um, that were available to us. We were very much dependent as we were getting our legs up um, on the public health infrastructure for healthcare mm. and the like. And I remember being very much impacted by um, the care I received and wanting to do um, so much for people who were in similar situations and and where education and extraordinary opportunities helped to change my trajectory. That's not the case for everybody. And, um, but that shouldn't uh, preclude them from being able to have the best access to care and the best chance of living their dreams, you know, care for their families or be Mm -hmm. productive members of society. So that's where it all came from. And and I'm grateful for all of it, you know, for the things that were very hard um, along the way um, and the lessons learned.
0: Yeah. So do you miss, um, having patients, you know, actually doing clinical work?
1: Absolutely. Yes. It, It was, um, as a doer, as a as an achiever, if you if you take a look at strengths, um, the there's nothing more gratifying than being able to hear problems, and then draw on knowledge, experience, context, uh, to be able to come up with solutions. And that happens, you know, on a regular basis with seeing patients. Uh, the challenge then was thinking about it in terms of populations, you know, and. Um, and I still get a chance to do that, but um, but yes, I loved medicine. I loved delivering babies. I loved all the scope of medicine that I did. My my last baby that I delivered uh, is turning twelve um, in oh uh, uh, in a in a few days. So um, I, I remember her fondly. She's still in my life, and um, and I'm I'm really grateful for all of the stories.
0: <laughs> well, I'm also guessing that particularly over these last couple of years. Uh, You are the person that friends and family turn to with all of their COVID-related questions. And so even though you may not be a doctor right now in your day job, you are certainly playing one with your uh, friends and family. Without a doubt. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if we didn't know it before, the pandemic really has made it abundantly clear how uh, health, both physical and mental um, and financial health, um, are connected and how uh, bi-directional the connection is, how healthcare costs can disrupt financial health and how financial security or financial health impacts physical and mental health outcomes. And I'm curious, um, how do you think both the healthcare world and also the, you know, the world of employers, how are they thinking differently about these intersections than they were uh, pre-pandemic? And do you think that they are doing or poised to do the right things to make those intersections a positive as opposed to a negative for people?
1: The awareness, I will say, of everyone now um, in the United States of thinking about what are the things that impact health has never been stronger, I would say than ever before it, it predated the pandemic, but certainly the pandemic made it land home, um, for, for everyone. And even the language of the social determinants of health or the social factors of health, um, I'm, I'm, uh, refreshed, tickled, if you will, when I hear, you know, um, leaders at financial institutions or manufacturing institutions talk about their people and they're talking about not only making sure that there is appropriate healthcare access for, you know, the the people that are serving, but um, that they're also thinking about um, the other big domains. They're thinking about the responsibility of economic stability, which can maybe translate to having a true living wage, you know, that's competitive so that people can then, have homes, be in neighborhoods that are stable and built, um, educational access and the like. So I'm grateful for this moment. Um, If there is any positive out of the pandemic, I think there are a few things we learned. One is the the importance of community, you know, and that we are way more like an interdependent and similar than we could ever have admitted before. And then secondly, is just how fragile we are when one dimension gets disrupted, it actually affects all the dimensions. Um, So I I think we're in a very positive space um, to that end. And I'm very hopeful that we'll see more demonstrations of that intersection now no longer being a tension, but really a... Almost adjoining, it's it's almost like if you are, um, if you're creating something that is to pull, if it's one strand, it's likely to break. But if it's three strands, mm. it'll be stronger and it actually can pull the weight. So where healthcare is meeting with financial services, which is meeting with the public sector, um, the solutions that can be done to actually impact, for example housing uh, equity, you know, is amazing. Um, you know this better than me, but the the largest debt that people have is related to their housing, right? It's, it's, it's mortgages. Now think about how important it is where you live to access to education economic stability, even the number of years um, that you live. And when that's disrupted, um, it, it really causes a collapse you know in the, organiza- in, in, the in the communities um, and it impacts business and the like. So I, I believe that the the momentum of strength and awareness of all the interconnectedness is going to bode very well um, for the future and we're going to see some really innovative I think demonstrations of this partnership. Uh, To come is it's it's in part, um, and with great enthusiasm that um, I came aboard to uh, Financial Health Network as a board member. Um, You probably guessed that it's uh, it's an area that's very passionate um, for me, and I think very critical um, as we think about um, what will it take for people to be well. And it's it's all of it um, to a great degree.
0: Yeah, I like what you said earlier. It really resonated with me about um, employers, companies needing to look to their right and to their left. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the way I often talk about it is that your worker is my my tenant, is her patient, is his student. It's all the same person. We just tend to see that person with our own goggles on or through our own silo. uh, And that if we're really going to create holistic health, uh, for people in every dimension, including financial, uh, we're going to have to find ways to join hands and continue to do what we each do best, but to do it in greater coordination. Because people don't live their lives in silos; they live them in a much more holistic way. And and so that language that you used earlier felt um, uh, felt fresh and new.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, just astounded. I think by the creativity that's there. Um, it is vulnerable, you know. If if I were to be um, real and candid about it, to whatever the next thing you know will be. But again, looking at what the pandemic has revealed, we're going to feel the reverberations, I believe, of the pandemic from our, um, economic, you know, um, standing to our community, standing to our, uh, neighborhood standing for some years, um, to come, you know, there, there are many things that are, um, are in disarray, even if this were the last variant, uh, that we would encounter, let's knock on wood that that's the case. Um, so there'll be great opportunities, I think, for these, um, the solutions to be generated and, and come aboard and, and help people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tam, thank you so much for joining me on Emerge Everywhere. It's been my pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Be safe. Thank you. You too. This has been Emerge Everywhere, a Financial Health Network production. If you like the show, please help spread the financial health message by leaving a review. And if you have ideas for future guests or thoughts on the show, please click on the link in the show notes to connect with us. See you next time.